Good morning, good afternoon, and good night to all the For the Fans fans. My name is Philip Cheney. And I'm Dalton Scamahorn. And we got a great show for you today. Spring is in the air, sun is shining, we got playoffs in hockey, we got playoffs in basketball. COVID is, you know, restrictions are easing up in Ontario, easing up in Alberta. So we got two happy co-hosts here, but not exactly the happiest of co-hosts on one side, but we'll get to that in a second. Did want to start with the NHL playoffs, Dalton. We'll uh, kind of go through some of the teams that are already moving on to the second round. Avs sweeping the Blues. I guess we called that. Maybe not the sweep, but we definitely called the win. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming a little bit uh, a ways away. The the Avs are a strong team. They've got a great offense. They've got a pretty solid defense. And yeah, no, they came out swinging and they were able to take out the Blues pretty handedly. Uh, We also had the, well, (laughs) my Oilers got eliminated. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. We'll go back. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. I know you're uh, passionate and ready to chat about them, but let's talk about the Avs star players, man. I mean, four games, right? Nate McKinnon had nine points. Landis Scott had eight points, and, and Rantanen had seven points. Like, what more can you ask for for those guys? I mean, McKinnon had a hat trick in one of those games. Yeah, the Avs are coming out looking at uh, being really strong competitors right now. They were able to come in and do... A lot of damage on the uh, St. Louis Blues. Um, and, like, the other thing, too, Dalton, is, like, I named all the big guys. But, like, you even mentioned it before. You, like, you know, you said some of their depth. And, like, Graves, Saad, you called it. Saad had three goals, right? I mean, they only played four games. And Donskoy. So, they're getting some help. I mean, their big boys are obviously doing well. Grubauer played well. Did you see the shade he threw at uh, Bennington with the picture? No, I didn't, actually. He threw some sh- yeah, so he he sent a, he put a picture on Instagram saying like, yeah, series one memories, and it was Benjamin skating over to try to fight him, <laughs> and that's what he posted. And it's funny when I saw that too, I was like, man, ben, like someone needs to fight Bennington soon because this guy, this guy's a loose cannon. Oh man, he just goes around faking fights or trying to uh, pick fights with uh, every other player. I'm just waiting for another goalie to actually skate to center ice with him. Yeah, that'll be. We'll have to wait for for next year. Um. The other thing I wanted to mention, kind of Colorado, was the cadre suspension. We didn't really mention it. We uh, we had a little week off, which was nice, you know, long weekend. We, we deserve it. Kadri suspended eight games, but he's appealing it. I actually called the suspension in our pod, which is crazy. I mean, it's his third time doing it in the first round. Do you think eight games was the right amount? I, I, I would think five for sure because it was an in-person hearing. And then, you know, the extra games would be for, you know, doing it the third time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I uh, I think eight games is about right for, for Kadri. This is what his third suspension in the playoffs, ones that have taken him and his team out of some of the series. It looked intentional. It was an intentional headshot, in my opinion, which is, it's unfortunate, but you can't do that. And they're trying to get that out of the game, so... No, I, I think eight games is about right. I think if he appeals, maybe he gets one game off of it, but I don't see them giving any less than seven. I never understand the appealing. Like, I kind of get it maybe if I was in his shoes, but it's like they they laid the the games down. What are they going to do? Like, it'll give you one less if you really make, make your point. So, I mean, they're going to probably miss him for a little while, but that was a blatant headshot, and you called it. Like, the angle was 
I think he had the angle off, and it was just straight into Falk's uh, chin. And then, you know, he went down pretty easily. So, I don't know why he always does that in the playoffs, though. He doesn't really get that many suspensions because he's not a big, dirty hitter in the regular season. And he just kind of somehow does it every first round, regardless of the team he's on. Wires cross, and he just does it. So, we still have to wait till we see who the abs play. But they have a nice little break. Now, this could be a blessing or a curse for them. But, I mean... The way they're playing, and if guys, you know, had some little minor injuries, they got to kind of heal a bit. So I mean, now they're just waiting. Let's kind of move over to the north. You mentioned it before, and you know, we had to get into this. Winnipeg sweeping the Oilers four to zero. Do you do you want to start? You want me to kind of <laughs> give my little thoughts on it? Like I don't know how you want to handle this. I'm I'm trying to do it so like fine fine tooth comb. Yeah, here. yeah. It was. Uh... It was a rough series. It's one that uh, I think could have went either way. You had three of the games ending in overtime. I mean, when it comes down to one goal, like it goes either way. The other game, 4-1. Yes, it was a loss, but with two empty net goals off a funny bounce. Just none of the puck luck was there. It was uh, a rough outing, but uh, I'm behind this team still. I think they're set up to do some great things in the future and yeah man uh, what are your thoughts on it what, what were you thinking i mean i never thought they were gonna even lose the series let alone lose four games in a row what game one and two the oilers scored one goal so even there just is kind of like oh shit you know even the big boys aren't scoring and then the what was it game three that was the game where it was like you had it they had it. It was 3-1, 4-1 lead. What was it? Those four lead 4-1. 4-1. Okay. Well, as a lead fan, we know 4-1 leads are comebackable. If that's even a word. And then just having the three goals in that third and like Hellebuck. Can we shout him out at least? Like that game alone, he had 44 saves on 48 shots. And then I thought he played well throughout the whole entire series. So kind of scared if the Leafs do end up winning, which they should. I don't know. What are your thoughts on him? On Winnipeg? I I think... Uh, on no, Hellebuck? on Hellebuck. I thought... Yeah. I mean, I thought he played well, well. I think... Like, really well. I thought he had a great series, and I think he really carried the Jets throughout the series. Like, I think, especially when you go to OT three or four games, you've got a strong goaltender behind you there, and I, I want to give credit where credit's due. Hellebuck won the first game on his birthday, and... Uh, Never looked back from there. Rattle off four straight. And I think their team in general plays a very strong defensive game, playoff built kind of game, and they got a lot of depth there. So I think they could really give the Leafs a challenge in the next round if the Leafs do <laughs> rattle off the next game against uh, the Habs. Which, they, Which should. they should. Which they should. So back to the Oilers. I mean, Leon had five points, Connor had four. Any other team that's like, wow, that's great. But for them, it was like, oh, that's kind of low. You know, after the season they both had and the season McDavid had, it was kind of, you know, very, like, sad to see that, like, he had this 105-point season and then, you know, they couldn't even win a game. So moving forward, like, off season, what are you thinking Kenny has to do? I mean, I still think it's his team, obviously, and it's his plan. But what do you think they kind of have to do to – you know, not have a sweep in the first round next year. So first off, I just wanted to uh, 
touch on uh, Connor and Leon's points, their point totals. Uh, oh, I jumped the gun. <laughs> yes, J- please, they, please, please. Sorry. They were, uh, yeah, they were held off the score sheet the first two games, and uh, no, it took them a little bit to uh, take off and get going. But yeah, anytime they touch the puck, there would be two defenders on them. The the Jets really uh, did some uh, man marking and made sure that whenever they touched it. It, it stopped and the, the play stopped and they would get muscled off the the, uh, the puck. I think that uh, something that needs to get brought in for the offseason is like a lot more depth. I think if you bring in a, uh, a strong scoring winger that we can put uh, McDavid with, finally get him a natural winger to play with so we can uh, stack our second line with dry and uh, give us some more options out there. No, I would like to bring in uh, a third line center. I think someone strong in face-offs, but with a little bit of an offensive upside, would be a general target that we should be going after. And then finally, I think uh, a backup goalie or, or, or possibly a starter, someone to, to push Smith. I think you keep going with Mike Smith moving forward, but I don't know if he's your long-term, long-term solution, right? Like, the guy's 39 right now. If he wants to play another season till till 40, I think, let's go ahead. He had a great season he had a great playoff I think Mike Smith deserves all the credit for the season he had this year and I think if he wants to come back on a one year yeah I think if he's sharing the crease with someone else and you have another option in net as well so you can go to another option if need be I think that's a smart move moving forward yeah and then we were talking off uh, off mic off of pod and like I said like he he's great but it's just the 39 40 year age that kind of gets me like okay Maybe it's time to find someone else, maybe even younger, have them both go. Just because, you know, this t- team has a lot of potential. Connor is still, what, yeah, what is he, like, in his sixth season? So, like, he's still, he's still good. He still has it in him. That's why I was just, like, think a goalie is definitely there. If you guys could secure a number one winger, that would be the first thing i do if I was GM. Just spend the money on someone. Obviously, you hope it pans out because sometimes they don't but just to have that guy and then maybe just a little depth kind of like what the Leafs did just kind of signing guys for like 700k 900k some something like that and like it's kind of be working out for them I mean Spets is playing well this year Thornton's played the whole year then they had like guys like VC who they lost but you know what I mean just like guys like that who just can get into the lineup and then if they're good enough like show that they're good enough like Galchenyuk you know what I mean? Like, have some guy like that. And then now my next thing is, is Barry gone? It's only a one year. He had a hell of a season. And I think he might be moving on just to anywhere that's going to give him some more money. Unless you guys think you can re-sign him. So, touch on the goalie situation just quickly again. Um, Alex Stalock is actually signed for one more year. So, when we got him, he was on a two-year deal. He hasn't played yet. But the last time he played, it looked pretty good for Minnesota. So even that as a third goalie option going into the next year, I think gives you a good option for, I think he gets paid like 800K. Like it's, but it's, it's the hard condition yeah, for me. Yeah. And that's the thing. So we'll have to see. Uh, he's got to get a full training camp in maybe, maybe some preseason games and you'll see, but you got to have those options in there. Um, for a winger, I love the idea of Mike Hoffman coming and playing on Connor's wing. Said that last year. I remember and I that. think that would be a great signing for the team. He's 
coming off an okay season in St. Louis, but not quite like he played with the Panthers when I think he got 29 goals and 30 assists the last year. Uh, he's power play specialist guy, has a cannon of a shot, and pretty fast skater. I think he would pair very well with McDavid. And I think that gives you another shoot first option. And then finally, uh, on Tyson Berry, that is an interesting subject because in a I only bring you interesting. Oh, subjects, buddy, buddy, you just bring the best <laughs> <laughs> and forget the rest. But yeah, I think because of the amount of guys that need to get signed in the off season, it's going to be tricky. So this is this is going to be my very roundabout way of giving you an answer. But you've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins coming up and if you think about it the guy's coming off what a six by six if even if he takes a team friendly deal you're paying him at least probably six and a half short term maybe seven long term seven yeah that's what i'm thinking seven seven I'm if, if you're paying him around what nylander makes that's i think that's pretty good deal right and so you're probably taking that moving forward you also have larson coming up he's probably our best defensive defenseman he's got and he didn't play this year. Clefbaum no, was out. Clefbaum was out, and that's okay. also going to be a big if too. Is Clefbaum coming back, or is he out full time now? Right? Like, unfortunately, due to injuries, the guy might have to retire. And if he does, I think the si- the chance of signing Barry goes up. So, first, you got to get Larson down. I think probably around three and a half, three and a half, four million maybe per season, something similar to what he's making now great defensive defenseman i think we should definitely keep him around because he's one of our best shutdown pairing options and then finally i think uh yeah it comes down to barry so i would love to keep him around he might price himself off the team unfortunately he finished first in points for defenseman this year also he took a friendly yeah, deal and he took a friendly deal on a one year to prove himself yep, absolutely and which he did yeah, and it paid off right but I don't think we can afford to give him something like a 7 by 7 No, that's why I kind of brought it up. I mean, like, he's who I thought is going to leave. Yeah. Because of just, like, he proved himself. He did pass a lot to Connor and Leon, but hey, doesn't say who he passed it to. Just shows a, it's just a little check mark in the Apple column. Well, you know what? I think Ken has some stuff to do this season. I mean, I'm on some Oilers groups still from back in the day, and Obviously, people were pissed, but there was a little bit of hope still, and and I think that's something you just got to keep looking forward to. And I totally agree with that. Like it took players like Steve Eiserman fourteen years to win his first cup. The man won three. Mario Lemieux took him six years to win his first cup, and Ovechkin took thirteen. So like, it's a great base moving forward you have a great young core like i think players are going to want to come to this team and i think it's got a bright future and then you got you know the prospects still in the wings potentially a couple guys broberg bouchard and mcleod who played right like i thought he i watched a couple games and i was thoroughly impressed with his game yeah i was very impressed with mcleod he'd been killing it in the ahl all year he came up and didn't skip a beat like he was uh so throw him in the lineup next year already like kind of lock him in so that kind of helps a little yeah. bit because what he can play second line potentially yeah i think second or third uh you can definitely slot him in in there and he might be a great option moving forward you've also got the uh draft coming up 
maybe we pick another prospect there. You've got Dylan Holloway, who is uh, now up and signed to a entry-level contract with the Oilers. So there's there's a lot of options coming out of this. And I think Ken Holland is the right guy to make these decisions and to go over every possible option, every possible direction to find the one that's going to work the best for the plan. Well, you that's all, folks. Like, this is coming straight from an Oilers fan. And he gave it to you real. I think he kind of kept a little emotions inside but i don't want to kind of harp on them too much it's just sad to see you know i still have a little soft spot for them i obviously picked them to win i had mcdavid in my my pool so kind of sad about that but let's let's move over to boston washington call we called this one so shout out to us definitely called that one and won four one they lost the first game and then they won four straight and the first three games went to overtime this series was Incredible. The top six for Boston just played extremely well. Bergeron, Marchand, Pasta, and then Hall played well with Craig Smith. And Craig Smith got that game winner where, you know, it was either Schultz's fault or it was either Samsonov's fault. Could go either way. I know Ofechkin was pissed. I'm hearing news that everyone's on the trading block except for Backstrom and Ovechkin. So, like, that means Kuznetsov. That's what I'm hearing. Not really sure why. I mean, if you start trading away guys and not get stuff in return, you're only going to hurt your team in the long run. No. But they have a short window, I guess, too. I mean, Ovechkin's contract is, I think, it's up. It's this year. Like, it's technically up yeah. now. The 13-year deal he he did is, is done. But he's not going anywhere. That's yeah, he said he wanted to sign long-term with the Caps, and I, I definitely believe it. Like, that's a team that's built around Ovechkin. They have the cap space for him. They'll basically give him a blank check for whatever he wants. He just needs to want to play or want to come to an Oilers on a team-friendly deal to play with McDavid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think that one's happening, buddy. He, might, he has to take a free team-friendly deal for the Washington. Oh, yeah. No, they're... they're... He, he can't get what he's worth. He, he, he shouldn't. He's got he's to take it down a, take it down a yeah. bit. Just to help the team in general. Oh, absolutely. You you look at how the, the team is built right now and stuff, and you've got some pretty heavy cap hits with players like Backstrom and such. And, yeah, you definitely want to keep that core together on that team. But uh, after that series, it uh, it seems like they, they might want to shake things up a bit. I think it kind of came down to, to goaltending there. Like, I know I talked previously, but they ran three different goalies in this series. Like they had Vanacek at the start of the series, who I think was the They got hurt. Then he got hurt. But I think Vanacek was their better goalie in the season, in the regular season. He was. Yeah, he played the entire year. Just look at stats. Yeah. So he went down immediately. Then you had Anderson come in playing his first game since two years ago? Or third game in like Two years. He yeah, yeah. Year. Like he he came on to be part of the the taxi squad, and he technically got that win in the first yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Like I thought, I thought yeah. he had a great finish. I thought it was a great story, but I didn't think he was going to be their starter moving forward for the rest of the season. And then Samsonov came back, and like this guy's pretty good, but I don't think he's like Braden Holtby in the playoffs. Good. Like you know what I mean? And they're young. They're young though. That's the thing. Too, yeah, that's true. Is they're very young goalies, so. You never know. I just wanted to shout out McAvoy, you know, on the defensive side, five assists in the five games. I, I, got, I picked him, so 
bringing that up as well. Slapping my dad right now by like 23 points. Oh, by the way, he wants me to ship you uh, a broom. Just I'd, <laughs> uh, I'd let you know that. So send my, send me your address. So Boston wins. They're playing the Islanders. The Islanders beat the Penguins. You called this. I didn't. I mean, I picked Penguins players. I had Trishan Jari as my goalie. And you know what? Islanders played Islanders hockey. And I think this next series is going to be great. Oh. And I mean, like, the Leafs still have to win bunch Montreal and then technically against Winnipeg. But I'm still a little scared if they have to play either or of the teams because you got Boston, who is a curse, and they're a great team. Then you got the Islanders, who play just really tough hockey. And then if there's ever games in Long Island, they're just going to rip the Leafs apart, even though Tavares is not playing. I still think they still have the hatreds, and they'll still probably take it out on someone else. We'll get into the Tavares thing in a second. Um, but, yeah, what were your thoughts on just you calling it right? <laughs> First off, uh, shout out to Jeff Carter, who <laughs> played his out of his mind, uh, was actually one of the uh, pretty bright spots in that Pittsburgh lineup while playing through the playoffs. He brought some good experience there. Um, but uh, the Islanders, man. They look good defensively, and they play playoff hockey. Like, both goalies, uh, well, Sorokin actually is pretty much the story of it. He took over the reins from uh, Varlamov when Varlamov wasn't able to play in the first game and uh, didn't really look back with him. He's been playing great uh, like he did throughout the uh, regular season. And, uh, yeah, they've been playing strong, shutdown hockey, and I think that's going to be really hard to play against in the upcoming rounds. That's why I think, like, Boston versus the Islanders is going to be such a compelling series to watch because it's two teams built for big bruising playoff hockey. And they're both built for like defense first with offensive upside. So I, I think it's going to be a really interesting series. Who do you think is going to win? Now that we know that that matchup is happening, who do you think is going to win? Man, give me the Islanders. Give me the Islanders. All right. All right. I have, I have Boston. Yeah. Well, I think Boston's. I I think it's gonna be close. I think, but I don't know. So I I think the winner of this series, Boston Islanders, will go on to win the cup. So if Boston comes out of it, I think they'll go on. Wow, win the cup! You're not even taught. We haven't even gone to the West. No, I think the winner of Islanders Boston is gonna win the cup. Both of these teams look really good. Look playoff ready. I think they're gonna have a great series, and I think either of these teams could go on to win the cup. Okay, well I'm definitely just gonna leave it at that then. I want to get into the couple of the other series that are still going on. Um, Tampa Bay is leading 3-2 against Florida. Been a great series so far. Really rough stuff. But Spencer Knight is playing. And he won that, I guess, what did he win? The fifth game? And he looks good. He's so, their best goalie right know, now. <laughs> he is. and It's crazy. So, like, great pickup for them. I think they picked him 15th. Yeah in the draft a couple of years ago because he was, you know, the best prospect goalie, but you never know if they pan out just the way he played at the end of the season and the way he's playing now. I'm a little scared for Tampa. I still think they got it, but having him is uh, in Florida's crease definitely helps him out a lot. This is what I was saying, man. I said they would probably go with all three goalies. I know I was waiting on them to put in Spencer Knight and the man won his first game. And I think he's going to be the X factor moving forward here. We could still see, the Panthers come back and win. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. I think they are technically losing as we're speaking at the moment. It was two nothing last time no. I checked. It's also 
yeah, it's all, <laughs> it's also nice to see Kucherov and Stamkos scoring like uh, like old times. <laughs> like Kucherov scored his three points, and I think his first game, like he hasn't missed the like, beat. Like he had the whole offseason. He hasn't off. missed the no. beat. I was like, oh man, what if he's like not ready? And he's like, no man, I'm still great. <laughs> well, I think Tampa still got it, but Florida's definitely helping himself out. Let's kind of move over to Vegas leading three two over Minnesota at the moment. Been a great series. Ah, fuck. They've all been great series. Playoff hockey is the best. Holy smokes. And just seeing all these celebrities and other athletes watching the sport and just saying how cool playoff hockey is and how much different it is than other playoffs. And just the overtime is probably the best thing. So I don't, I don't really have too much on that, that series, though, Dalton, just because, you know, it's in the West. Now that I'm a working boy, I can't always watch the games. But Vegas leading 3-2, so that one's close. And then Carolina is leading 3-2 as well. And Nashville, like, is putting up a little bit of a fight. UC Saro, you called it. Called it. He's been playing outstanding. Yeah, no. Um, first to touch briefly on the uh, Minnesota Vegas series, I just wanted to uh, give a shout-out to T- Cam Talbot, who uh, shut out the first game of their series and was looking quite good Uh Overall, yeah, 42 saves shutout. I think that series can still go either way. I think that Minnesota has the chance to come back in this one. You know what? Let's not say die yet on these guys. Like, they've looked good, and when they keep it low scoring against Vegas, they've seemed to uh, be able to outplay them when they keep it close. But, uh, yeah, Carolina, Nashville. UC Saros has stolen a couple games for, well, actually, I think Pekka Rene. Did he play one of the games this Was it Pekka? Was it Packer or was it UC? Because I, well, you know what? It probably was UC. Keeping it close for them and, uh. I thought it was yeah. UC. But you'd, you never know. Yeah. Carolinas look feisty. They've been doing well in the close games. And Jordan Stahl actually scored their, uh, overtime winner the other game. He scored a couple yeah, already. Man. So it's great to see the captain scoring some goals. Now let's move over to the Leafs. 3-1 at the moment, they're playing tomorrow night, just Thursday. Honestly, like, the first game was 2-1. They scored a pretty amazing goal shorthanded. But it was also the same game that Tavares got destroyed and injured. Super painful to watch. They kept showing it over and over again. I thought that really hurt the team a little bit, just having your captain go down. He was out for, like, 10 minutes. I heard he was screaming. You know, then you saw it, like, he got up. And then he tried to keep getting up, and they're just like, no, you got to stay down, man. Like, that was not Kokori Perry's fault at all. I know he's an instigator and a dirty player sometimes, but that's just a hockey play that just went wrong. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Like, uh, you could see after the initial hit, Corey Perry did jump to try to get over him and just hit him pretty hard, unfortunately. And yeah, it's a uh, hockey play gone wrong. I really hope. John Tavares is going to be all right, and this doesn't uh, affect his career in any way, well, other than the injury. But no, um, tough to see. Tough if you're a Leafs fan, tough if you're a fan of hockey. Yeah, no, I can see how that would definitely affect you game one. Yeah, and then they moved over to game two. They they slapped him 5-1. Game three, great win. And then game four, another win. So it's not, it's not every time as a Leaf fan you have, you're going in 3-1. Carey play, Carey Price has been playing vintage Carey Price. He's been definitely keeping them in it. But I got to shout out to Jack Campbell because 
He's only allowed four goals. He has a 950 save percentage. He's playing in front of a great group of players, and I just think he has some great momentum. So I'm really looking forward to like the Leafs kind of beating the Habs and then moving over to Winnipeg. But I also want to shout out William Nylander, who scored four goals and one assist in the playoffs so far, which is great because Matthews and Marner hasn't scored as much. So it's nice to see that depth. And then when your second-line center, who's also a superstar, and you pay him $11 million, goes down, you think that second line is going to be Gonzo. But Willie's been playing great. They moved. They brought back Galchenyuk up. He's been playing good. So, you know what? Things are looking good in Leafland. I'm not going to jump the gun. We'll keep talking about them if they keep winning. But as a Leaf fan, I'm pretty happy. There's a there's an, a there's a breath of positivity in the air. That's for sure. But honestly, that's basically all the playoff series talk. I did want to kind of move over to two things that happen that aren't playoff related. So one of them is. Did you hear what Ron, Mc- Ron McLean said last night? No. Wow. Dalton. Thought you were a hockey fan, buddy. So, he said a homophobic slash AIDS related joke. And he hasn't been fired. They haven't really said anything about it yet. But it was kind of off. So, let me kind of explain. So, Bieksa has a picture of, of, I think, Anthony Stewart and Wayne Simmons and another guy. And they have their shirts off. And then Ron McLean said, you have a picture of guys with their tarps off, so you must be positive for something. And I still don't know what he was trying to imply. The only thing I can think of is, again, homophobic slur slash AIDS-related joke. And I'm surprised they haven't really said anything yet. I'm surprised you didn't hear about it. It was trending on Twitter. Yeah, so like definitely check out check it out after this. I think he should be fired. That was last night. Uh, yeah, buddy, in the Leafs game. Jeez, no, I didn't hear about it at all. Like, yeah, you can't say that kind of thing on TV. Like, that's not right. Like, yeah, and like I was trying to justify because it it's wrong, but I still don't know what he was trying to imply. The only thing I can go back is what everyone kind of brought up. So I guess we'll kind of keep a little eye on this one. You know, they fired Don Cherry when he said, you people. So Ron and Don gone for the same thing? I, almost. almost. Well, same thing, different, different thing yeah, to say. Yeah, exactly. But. Super weird just to hear that from him. And then, you know, like Jennifer Botterill gave a weird look. She was just like, okay, like, did you just say that? And then, yeah, so it's like. Definitely, definitely something that's a hot in the NHL right now. The other thing I wanted to kind of bring up, and like I didn't want to go too much into it because I don't know all the stuff. I haven't really checked if he did say an apology or if the CBC Sportsnet ever came out with anything. And right at the moment before I you know, did my notes, they didn't. So we'll just leave it at that. We'll bring it up next time if anything does come up. I did want to bring up Wayne Gretzky resigning and then uh, – Apparently signing with TNT. Yeah, I think that's a good deal for him. He uh, went out and he is taking on a new role with TNT. He's going to be one of their um, what? One of their guys on the panel. It's on the panel, man. Like he's going to be on TV. Yeah. This is this is one of the coolest things ever. And like people are like, oh, why did he leave? You know, the Oilers step down, right? And it's like, well, he can do whatever he yeah. wants, whenever he wants. In Edmonton, and no one can say anything. Well, and that's 
And sorry, I was going to say that's the thing. It's not like he's never going to do anything with the Oilers ever again. The man's getting a TV deal on the newest network for a lot of money from the sounds of it. Three million a year. I mean, like he could three million. Exactly. If he's going on the panel, you look at TNT's panels, how exciting they are with Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. Like, if you are able to do that again for the NHL, taking old players that are good media personalities and know the game and can actually break it down in between, like, I think it's it's a really good move. And who knows the game better than the great one? It's just going to help the growth of the game. I mean, already getting the TV deals with ESPN and then obviously TNT, who does a great job with basketball. And I was telling my parents, I was just like, look, basketball grabbed... Not the greatest player ever, but guys that are very personable. I think the smartest thing they did was grab the greatest player to ever play the game of hockey. Have him on your panel. You're easily going to have people watch and listen to him. Uh, I don't know if he has the greatest personality for it. You know, Gretzky is a very modest guy. But I, I am so, I mean, I don't even know if we can watch him. But I'm very excited to hear what he has to say about certain things and how we can relate it back to his game and just talk about all the players and all the stories. So. It's definitely great for the great game of hockey. Just just the growth. It's going to be marketed so well. I just thought it was a really great move. I didn't think he would ever kind of just like do that. And then he tweeted, you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, which is his own quote. And I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a, a really good move by him. And I think it's good. I don't think it looks bad on the uh, organization for the Oilers at all. I just think it's <laughs> poor timing right after a sweep, but... It sounds like the TNT network was ready to announce it ahead of time, and uh, they kind of jumped the gun, but they wanted to announce it as soon as they can. But what I want to ask you is, uh, who else do you think they're going to use to uh, fill out the panel? Or who would you like to see fill out the panel? I don't know. I was thinking about that as well. It's like, we're big. We're in a big country that loves hockey, so like TSN and Sportsnet have great panels already. So I, I hope they don't take anyone from there, but I don't know. Definitely need more personality player. I guess maybe not Jr. He kind of ruined that himself on NBC. What about Biz? So I, no, no, he does do a good I, job I, for I the Yotes. He does, but it's it's just the other stuff too. He's a bit of a loose cannon, and you're on TV. You can't be drunk or high. You can't say certain things that he says on the pod. So. Maybe Biz? That would be cool to see. He would just have to tone it down just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he would definitely have to and, to tone it down for TV. But yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm wondering who 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 they're gonna bring on. I mean, they have a plethora of players, but they shouldn't just do all players. Maybe a female player, female analyst, or maybe then just someone who can kind of lead the conversation, kind of like a McLean or a David Amber or. You know, someone, Rick Eisen, you know, one of those guys who didn't play the game, but knows the game. Torts is going to have a job. Uh, You don't think they'll put Torts on the panel? If he doesn't have a job. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. If if the panel would pay him more. He would. That would be, that would definitely bring in some more viewers as well. (laughs) Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and kind of see for that. But enough hockey talk for the day. Playoffs are in full swing. First round game, first series games are kind of. Close, close to the end. Hopefully, we get to see a couple game sevens. That's always, uh, always great. Let's move over to the Blue Jays, MLB. So they're twenty four and twenty three, fourth in the AL East, 
four and six in their last ten. Haven't haven't been playing that well. Got swept by the Rays, which sucks because they're in the same division. They lost two games to one to Boston, which also sucks. But I think their bullpen bullpen needs some help. Like they were winning, they were leading some games, and their bullpen allowed so many runs for teams to come back, especially in those last two series. So I think that's something they need to kind of focus on because obviously the hitting is there. I mean, we we have the AL home run leader at the moment in Vladdy Guerrero with 16 home runs, which is crazy. And 41 RBIs already in May, almost June. Yeah. Nope. Things are looking really good for the Jays on the, uh, the hitting end. They've, uh, really gotten the, uh, the lineup figured out with, uh, Grichuk batting right after, uh, Vlad now in the, the two, two and three position. That's been, uh, working pretty good so far. And yeah, no, like you said, 24 and 23, the, uh, six straight losses against the Rays and the, Bosox really hurt them in their own division, but you've got a big series coming up against the Yankees. I know the game today was uh, postponed due to rain, so they're going to have to play uh, a doubleheader coming up. But uh, they got one win so far against them. I think if you can sweep the Yankees, which isn't unheard of right now, especially in this season, like I think you could come out and start pulling up that lead, get uh, a little bit higher up in their uh, own division. And you haven't played teams like the Orioles yet. They're going to have a bunch of games against them and they're not good this year like you're gonna be able to still beat up on the uh worst teams in the mlb and i think it's gonna look forward yeah they just have to like stay away from these like losing five of six games and then like obviously there's question marks because springer is not back yet biggio's on the 10-day il but like again springer is not back yet which is kind of cheesing me a little bit and, like, I know it's an injury, but, like, I just want to see this guy play. I just want to see him play in the outfield. I want to play, see him uh, hit. And then we've seen, what, three, three and a half games? Yeah. Yeah, it's been tough. Tough pill to swallow with uh, giving him all that money and he hasn't played yet. Obviously, you want him to come back when he's healthy, but uh, how many games is it going to take before he's healthy? Like, you don't want Cause I Because I think it's hurting them a little bit. A hundred percent. Like, Maybe that extra hits because obviously the bullpen's not really there. They're getting some pretty good starting pitching, and some days they're not. I mean, that's just baseball. I mean, it's a long, long uh, season. But just having more runs would definitely help them. Having more guys in uh, scoring positions, all that. You know, money ball, basically. Get guys on base, get them home, you're going to win games. Doesn't matter if it's fifteen nothing or eight seven. Did you want to talk about the other two uh, no hitters? There was two. There was two no more no hitters. Okay, so uh, yeah, we had two more no hitters in uh, in the MLB. We're actually approaching the most ever in one season. Uh, the current record is eight. <laughs> it was set in eighteen eighty four. Wow. And then uh, seven has happened three times in 1990, 1991, and 2015. So the ML. What are we at right six. now? We're at six already. It's kind of getting like boring. Like, yeah, no hitters. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Seen that before. <laughs> Where's the perfect game? Yeah, now? right, right. Where's the perfect game? Well, so there was two no hitters. The first one was Spencer Turnbull of the Tigers. Uh, he got a no hitter versus the Mariners. It was the fifth no-hitter of the season, a 5 nothing victory, and the eighth no-no in Tigers history. The last one was Justin Verlander in 2011, 
And uh, I believe one of their previous no-hitters was the one that was almost a perfect game that the uh, the ref took back after, saying, oh, yeah, I, w- I was wrong there and it should have been a perfect game. Oh, that, I remember that one to this day. Yeah, yeah. And then he was crying and he was all sad. It was just like, buddy, you, I don't know how you ever call that. Oh, man. And to take away a perfect game from a player, it's like, come on, man. Even if it's maybe, just give it to him. These never happen. Another no-hitter followed up the next day, literally. Corey Kluber of the Yankees uh, got a no-hit against the uh, Rangers. It was, like I said, the sixth of the season in a 2-0 victory. And he was the first Yankees pitcher to throw a no-hitter since David Cohn's perfect game, July 18th, 1999, versus the Montreal Expos. So we have some teams that have pitchers throwing no-hitters for the first time since, like, the last 20 years. Like, it's... It's insane to see that in this season when the bats are down, apparently, like, maybe pitching is up. Well, they're not down in uh, in Toronto. The thing about no-hitters for me, and like, at least the ones that have happened this season, Dalton, it's like, I always wonder how it became a no-hitter. Like, what was the play that caused it the guy to get big on base? It's always the one that always uh, kind of, like, gets my mind going, like, oh, shit. You hit a guy in the leg, that's how you did it, or, or wild you know, pitch. just an error or anything like that, wild pitch, like just crazy stuff like that where you're like that close to having a perfect game. Yeah, it's it's nuts to see, especially with all of them happening this year, and like I, I think there's more to come, man. Maybe maybe we beat eight. Yeah, so like should we pick a number? <laughs> should, should we guess? You know what I mean? Like what are we, what are we in six We're in three months? Yeah. So if you put another six in another three months, what are you at? Uh, June, July, August. So you're at twelve. Uh, yeah, let's say fuck it. Twelve. I'm saying I'm you're guessing, guessing 12. twelve. Twelve. So eight. Twelve no nos. Eight hasn't happened since 1884, and seven has happened three times. <laughs> so <laughs> put that one on the chalkboard, buddy. Twelve. 12. All right, you can pick a conservative. I'm going to pick nine. I'm going to say nine happen this year. I'm going to say they beat eight and okay. get one more. All right. So if they get uh, up up to nine, you win. And if you get after nine, I win. Prices, prices right sound? rules? Yeah, exactly. One dollar. <laughs> I think they get one. <laughs> I definitely jumped the gun there. I like. I said the question, too, and then I was just like, Six, six, twelve. <laughs> Jumping at it. That's how it is. Calling it here first. We call some stuff on this pod. I gotta learn how to clip this stuff so I could pull it out later. Oh man, absolutely. And then I think we can move over to the UFC, where I always say things and they never happen. I always bet on player uh, fighters and they don't win. So you take it over here because I'll jump in on two sixty two. But you know. Tell the fans the fighting world is uh, a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. So let's start with UFC 262. It was uh, quite this card. Uh, Happened uh, a couple weekends ago here. And uh, yeah, I think I called every fight wrong. (laughs) Like, really? As the UFC? Honestly, honestly. Especially the the main and the co-main for sure. I got both wrong. I mean, you have a 50-50 chance. Yeah, and 50% of the time I'm wrong, I guess. 
more than fifty. <laughs> uh, first off, I want to uh, bring up a fight that happened earlier on the card. Ronaldo Jacare Souza had a fight where he actually broke his arm. He like Chris Weidman, like you know when Chris Weidman kicked and it like yeah, he did that with his arm, <laughs> like broke Ugh. straight through. Yeah, so he was uh, he was in an arm bar and he went to lift the guy. Uh, but his arm didn't come with him. And so he snapped his arm. It ended the fight. It was pretty gruesome. And then the UFC kicked him out. After four... Kicked him out for after what? After four straight losses, he got cut. Oh, my God. The guy breaks his arm and gets yeah, cut? Yeah, yeah. Rough a, week. What a bad day. Rough week. So shout out to him. I hope he lands on his feet, probably in Bellator. Uh, he's 40. He's an older fighter, but he's a legend. Speaking of legends, taking a loss, Tony Ferguson faced uh, Vanil Derouche and uh, didn't look good. I mean, Derouche was the favorite. We said yeah. this. Like, not to sleep on him, but, I mean, Tony has great legacy. Now, I saw a bit of the fight. I was in an Uber coming home, actually. So I missed some, but it was TKO, but he was getting, like, some submit. Submitted? Yes. Is that the word? Like, uh, or at least try to. Like, there's a lot of ground game. I thought Tony got out of a lot of a lot of that stuff. At first, I'm like, how the hell is he ever going to get out of this stuff? But, I mean, in the end, Darius just overpowered him. Yeah, uh, Ferguson ate a heel hook that I thought he was going to tap out to, but he decided that pain doesn't make a difference to him and uh, didn't tap out. He was able to get out of it. That was one of the highlights of the fight. Yeah, Darush dominated him for the entire fight. Like I, I don't think it was close. It's tough. You want to see Tony get a win? I think he's lost three of his last four fights. Like it's, it's not looking good. He's had some good opponents, but like he, he's a guy that's going to need really to get in the win column soon, or he might find his way out of the UFC. Darush, on the other hand, I think he's number three in that division now, and you've got another lightweight contender. Like, it's crazy. This division is, as soon as it seems like it's slowing down, it starts picking up again, right? Which is in shambles. It's not in shambles. It's We're out, we're out of shambles, I right? I think we're out of shambles. Now well, we are. There's a new, te- there's a new Yeah, belt. we're in new shambles. <laughs> new shambles. New shambles. So let's go, to the, let's go to the title fight. Yeah, so the title fight. So I, cho- I, I, I was going for uh, Chandler. Oh, yeah. I had Chandler too, and and I thought he had it in the beginning, but Oliveira, man, Jesus Christ, I'm not gonna sleep on that guy again. That's for sure. I think he is well deserved to be that title champ right now in the light lightweight division. Was it nine straight wins now? Major, major, major kudos to Charles Oliveira because I had Chandler at the start too. I had him to win the fight. I thought. He had a great first round. Some of the uh, judges actually had it scored 10-8 for Chandler after the first round. He had that wicked slam when <laughs> Oliveira got his back and he just jumped backwards and slammed him to the ground. But yeah, Charles Oliveira, man, he is a scary competitor. The man is, what, 30-8 and eight now? He's on a nine-fight win streak, and it was the one thing that Dana White didn't want to see happen. He had all of his eggs in the Michael Chandler basket, 
And then Oliveira came out and stunned the world. And I think he is going to be a strong champion. I don't know. It depends who they, they put him up against next, but he's got to. That was my question to you. Yeah. I was thinking, does he fight the winner of Poirier McGregor 3? Does Darius fight Chandler? Like, I'm trying to figure out where the next ones are going to be. I never know because it just depends on what Dana wants. Yeah. Which could be, which could be, you know, what he wants and what not everyone else wants to see. But would the, would like the winner of Poirier McGregor, which, you know, this rate might be Poirier to see Poirier versus Oliveira fighting for the title. I think absolutely. Or McGregor, but, you know. <laughs> I think absolutely. I think the winner of uh, McGregor Poirier 3 definitely fights for the title. Uh, I think Dustin Poirier, if he wins, he definitely deserves that title shot because he already beat McGregor, which could have been for a title anyways. And if he loses, well, McGregor beat the guy that should have got a title shot for beating him. So, like, yeah, then that settles that score. You've got one of them 2-1 either way. Next up is definitely Charles Oliveira versus that winner. And then I think for Michael Chandler, um, it sucks for Darouche because I think Darouche is going to get snubbed as not the next big ticket thing the way that Michael Chandler is because I think he's going to get Justin Gaethje next because Gaethje got snubbed the last time and he hasn't had a fight since Khabib. So I think it'll be... Gaethje versus Chandler, which will be an insane fight. Both guys are killers. Which will bring in a shitload of money for pay per view. Oh yeah, which kind of make which kind of makes sense. I think Chandler's not done. I mean, it's only his second fight in the UFC. That's why I kind of mentioned like who's he fighting next? Because I I still like, think he's a great fighter. Just he got a, he lost. Just just simple as that. Oh, he's got beat by a better fighter. But does that mean he's done? No, not at all. So again. Somewhat shambles. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's a it's a champion with the kind of surprise that Dana White hasn't had since uh, Amanda Nunes beat Ronda Rousey when his last cash cow Ronda Rousey he was putting her to win her belt back, and then Nunes smoked her. No one saw that coming. I lost money. Yeah. My first UFC fight I ever bet on was that one. Yeah, man. Because I thought Ronda would never lose. Exactly. And now she's like an anomaly. There's like way better women fighters, and then she kind of moved over to like TV and and other stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm excited though. It's cool to see all this stuff. It's, it's cool to kind of have the UFC so much different than like all the other sports I watch. Well, and I think it's which is the marketing and the fights. And the other thing I just wanted to mention was it's nice to see a belt in the light division, lightweight division again. That's what I was really happy to see. I, I'm. I kind of went into UFC after um, Khabib. So that's why I was like, I didn't really care if he came back or not. And I thought, you know, they got to give that away if he's not fighting. So it's nice to see it on someone else. Yeah, and I don't think you could have a more deserving champ. One of the things I find so interesting about UFC is the backstory of some of the fighters. Because a lot of the uh, the other uh, sports, especially the big four, like you get a lot of different stories. But with some of these fighters like uh, Oliveira, he came from the favelas of Brazil. Like, the man grew up in poverty, and he grew up with club feet, actually. He wasn't supposed to play many sports, and he started learning Brazilian jiu-jitsu because it was known as the gentle sport or the gentle art or something like that that it tra- roughly translates to. That, that's what it means. Yeah. yeah, it translates to gentle gentle art, I think, or gentle something. Yeah. I, I did read that as so, well. So, 
it was just so cool his story where he came as a, a kid with uh, arthritis that wasn't supposed to play any sports in the favelas of Brazil and is now the lightweight champion of the UFC and like one of the most popular talked about fighters in that division right now and I just think it's so cool seeing like some of these guys and their their backstories and how they come where they come from to get to this point now two of UFC 262 is in the back burner now what has happened since then in the you know non-numbered fights what is happening in the world and then can we get into a little boxing yeah absolutely this weekend I just want to give a quick shout out to Tanner Bozer he's a heavyweight from the Edmonton area he's actually from Bonneville uh, he will be fighting on the fight card this weekend. He is 19-7 and when. He will be fighting against Ilir Latifi, who is 15-8-0, another heavyweight slash light heavyweight. I think it'll be a great fight. I'd love to see Tanner get in the win column again, and it's always fun watching a Canadian fighter, especially when he's from the same city as me. So I thought that was pretty cool. The other story in the MMA community I wanted to bring up was uh, Diego Sanchez finally cut ties with his coach, uh, Joshua Fabia, which is really good. Uh, Diego Sanchez was not in a good place. Uh, there had been some crazy videos. So essentially, Diego Fabia has this weird school, like ninja shaman academy. Like, it's it's weird. It's weird, buddy. And he has some very, very interesting near barbaric techniques that he uses that don't seem to help the fighters and just seem to hurt them wait chase chasing a guy with a knife isn't yeah yeah so (laughs) one of the things that came out for diego sanchez's training was uh he would get locked in the octagon and joshua fabia would have a a knife and he would chase him around the octagon to help build his endurance and dodging i guess which i mean that just sounds like attempted murder to me and then another video, which... That can go wrong so easily. Yeah, exactly. What if you catch him? Then you're dead. <laughs> what if you stab your fucking, uh, I guess, student? What do you call him? Uh, client? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you stab him, it's just over? Like, I, I don't know, man. Aren't there rules in training? Like, aren't the, doesn't the UFC or Dana, like, check on this? Or is it kind of, they can do whatever? You kind of, you, you run the school the way you want. Most don't attempt murder. But the other uh, video that actually uh, got released, and I think it was actually released by Joshua Fabia showing his training of Diego Sanchez, he had him hung upside down, like, okay, so upside down like a, uh, like a punching bag, like, you know, one of those big heavy bags? So that, that, but it's Diego Sanchez's body, and Joshua Fabia's kicking him in the head to build his endurance. Okay, so we got attempted murder and concussions. Yeah, so that came out, and there was a ton of backlash in the MMA community. So it's good that, that he it's good that he uh, cut ties with. Yeah, a hundred percent, because this was going on for years. Like this is the reason that Diego Sanchez dropped his last fight. He was supposed to fight Cowboy Cerrone, and then uh, the fight didn't end up happening, and he pulled out when healthy. Well, that was because of Joshua Fabia being like, "No, he can't fight. He can't fight," and he had a clean bill of health. He also had three straight losses with Fabia. Well, sorry. He had 
two losses and a win, one being a no contest where the guy used an illegal move and then Sanchez won because the guy used an illegal move. Which Fabia, of course, took credit for having amazing training. But yeah, he's taken a lot of bashing in the MMA community. I hope Diego Sanchez lands on his feet now. I hope he can get in with another promotion. It would be nice to see him if he wants to keep fighting. If not, probably retirement looks good. And I hope Josh Fabia doesn't get any more students because, yeah, his style is rather barbaric. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i kind of shocked just from hearing all that stuff. Yeah, man. So it's like, excuse me? Like, that's all I could say. It's like, huh? What? What, what year? It just seems in? like a crime. <laughs> like, Well, like, dude, we have so much technology and training and all this stuff. And like, UFC is massive. Sorry, MMA is massive. And if you're saying that every single person trains different ways, and then this one person trains this way, you're just like, hmm, maybe something's a little off here. Yeah, no, I... Uh... I agree with you, but uh, moving on to boxing, something that is off. Boxing, yes. Something that is off is the fight we were really looking forward to. Joshua versus Fury got called off, but it was due to a clause in a previous fight. So Tyson Fury recently uh, beat uh, Deontay Wilder via knockout and won a belt off of him. Well, later on, they found in the clause of that contract that uh, there's a rematch and Deontay Wilder is entitled to a rematch. So what they're doing is they're throwing Wilder versus Fury 3 on the original date that they were going to have Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. So July 24th is going to be that fight instead because the clause said that they had to fight before September. So, they're getting this one out of the way. We'll see who wins, but... Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, when you send that to me, I was like, they, f- they figured this out now? They, they, they found the claws now? Like, they already set up the other two fights. You know what I mean? And I, I was just kind of like, what? So, like, yes, we get a fight. Awesome. And it's probably a good one. But it's not the one we wanted, and we still have to wait now a little bit more for that. So, my question to you is, regardless of the outcome... Does Joshua fight Wild? Uh, was it Wilder or Fury? Fury. Fury. Yeah. So regardless of the outcome, does he still get the fight after? Like at the fights that we we're supposed to have. Well, that's the tough part because if Fury loses the belt, he will. Well, they technically so Fury and Wilder have a draw and a win for Fury so far. So if you have a draw and two wins for Fury, a hundred percent you fight Joshua next. Like that's that's the. The easiest way, I think Fury's going to win again. Deontay Wilder's been training really, really hard and apparently has been training specifically for Fury next. So we'll see how that goes. But I think Fury in the previous two fights dominated Wilder. I think he should have won the last two. But uh, if Wilder does win, you kind of do set up Wilder versus Fury again. To run it back again, because then you have basically your your record is one one one, right? So then, so it's not fair if if the other guy gets to fight, move on and get other belts, right? When you still want to like, who's the actual best between them? 
I totally get that. I just think is the boxing world in shambles too. Little shambles. We shambles everywhere oh, in fighting or what? Boxing world's always in shambles. There's too many belts. There's too so many, many divisions. So many... There's too many perfect fighters. Politics too. Clauses and all this shit. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so we still have a fight in July to look forward we to. We do. We have a big heavyweight fight. It's still going to be a very exciting fight, and I still think everyone should watch it because it's going to be great. And if Fury wins, he kind of gets a little victory lap before he gets to go face Anthony Joshua. Okay, well, that'll be definitely something to look forward to as well. well I'm sure we'll get into it um, in July. Anything else in the fighting community? Yeah, there's uh, one more boxing match that didn't happen as well. Uh, this one actually crosses between the MMA and the boxing community. So my guy, George St. Pierre, was scheduled to box against Oscar De La Hoya. So we brought up De La Hoya previously. Uh, he's a former champion. His life is uh, going decent again. He wants to get back into fighting, but his fight got called off. It got shut down by the UFC, uh, which... It's kind of interesting because GSP, his last fight was in 2017, and he's already officially retired from MMA as of 2019. So, two years after, he wants to book a boxing match in a different sport, and Dana White shuts it down. Why? So, GSP's signed to kind of like a, it's like a Legends contract with the UFC for like appearances and stuff like that, and basically Dana cited that because of that contract, he still has the negotiation power to shut down George St. Pierre on his own fights because of the UFC's image. Now, Oscar De La Hoya also... This just goes back. This just goes back to the clauses politics I just mentioned. 100%. How they can do this stuff. So, I'm glad you brought that up because Oscar De La Hoya actually um, has share and ownership in the... Uh, so, you know the network, the Triller network that... Uh, Jake Paul was fighting on. Oscar yep. De La Hoya has partial ownership in that. So, them and Dana White with the UFC have always been feuding back and forth. Like, this actually got brought up a, a while ago. Uh, De La Hoya challenged Dana White to a boxing match, and he doubled down, challenging Dana White to another boxing match after the uh, GSP De La Hoya one got uh, shut down. So... I think it's pretty interesting. The thing that I take the most out of this, just because I'm a GSP mark, is uh, GSP's looking for competition again, and he ain't done fighting, and GSP's going to fight Khabib. So, there. So, two retired guys are fighting. Exactly, exactly. You can book it if they're both retired, as long as the UFC doesn't shut it down. I'm sure Dana would like to see that, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure it would bring in some, some money. Wow, I didn't even know that. I mean, I think you brought it up before, but I kind of forgot just how... They just said no, and then, I don't know, do you think do you think GSP would have beat him in a boxing match? Oh, 100%. De La Hoya doesn't look like he should be boxing right now, and George St. Pierre trains for, like, nine hours a day, every day still, and his body is a temple, and he looks, looks way better than me, man. He looks to be in fighting shape again. I just think he'd be a little bit slower, but his boxing is still unreal, and I think he's one of the best martial artists in the world. Well, you're a little biased. I guess I am too, because, you know, he's a Canadian fighter. I still like seeing him on those Bet 99 commercials, because <laughs> he, he looks ripped in those. Well, I mean, wow, that's a lot of fighting news. I mean, UFC 262, to boxing, to potential boxing UFC fights, that's 
crazy. So we got a lot to look forward to. I did want to move it over to the NBA. Their playoffs started as well. I mentioned that in the beginning of the uh, of the pod. Now we never picked any teams, and some of the series have kind of you know already happening. You know, two games to zero, one one games to zero, and some some are happening tonight. But let's 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 just pick some teams. Just say fuck it. So number one, 76ers. Number eight, Washington. 76ers up up one nothing right now. I'm picking the 76ers. They played well all season. Washington has um, my boy Westbrook, but I don't think that's enough. Yeah, I agree with you there. Let's take the Sixers. Trust the process. Trust the process, finally. <laughs> um, number two, Nets versus number seven, Boston. The Nets are up 2 nothing. I have the Nets literally winning. We have a playoff pool at work. I have the Nets winning the whole entire thing, so... I'm definitely picking them to win this if I'm picking them to win it all. 100%. I agree with you there. Nets are built to win. Um, they've got the new big three. I think I have to agree with you there. I think they could win the entire thing. The only thing about them is they haven't really played a lot together. Like, on the floor, all three at the same time. I think that might hurt them a little bit. But, hey, let's see what uh, Steve Nash can do. You've had Durant and uh, Harden play together before, and I think you're still going to be able to bring out some of that chemistry. Um Putting them in with Kyrie Irving as well will be a little bit of a question mark, but I think all three are fantastic players, and I think it's going to take them far. Yeah, it's just the depth to, and I guess, I think they have, do they have Blake Griffin? Oh, yeah, they no? have DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin still. Like, they've got some depth there, too. Yeah, what am I saying, right? Well, that's... That's it. Then the Nets, that's are definitely taking it against Boston. I mean, we're we're lucky picking them two two games this year already, but you never know what happens. <laughs> they just tank now. <laughs> another another series that's two and zero is the Bucks number three versus the Heat number six. Bucks are up two nothing. Give me the Bucks. I had the Heat. Yeah, I had the Heat in my pool with work, but now that the Bucks are up two zero, it's like how could you not think they're gonna win? And like Giannis is Giannis. Can win your games. Yeah, needs to hit some more free throws. <laughs> Bucks seem to make it pretty far each year too. I think uh, I think they'll have a healthy run again this year. All right, so 76ers, Nets, and Bucks, all favorites. I guess I picked the Heat before, but let's just retract that. And then you got number four, the Knicks versus number five, Atlanta. It's one nothing Atlanta. Trey Young, game winner in the first game, and he silenced MSG. They were chirping them all game. They were so loud, and then he hit that shot, and it was like, boom, pin drop. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting series. It's kind of funny seeing the Knicks in a playoff series again because all the, uh, the the Knicks fans like Stephen A. Smith and like, uh, oh, who's the director? Um, Spike Lee. Spike Lee, thank you. Thank you, geez. Like their global yeah, ambassador. Yeah, their global ambassador, like, they're going off right now, and they haven't had the chance to be this excited in a while. So I think it's exciting for their Knicks, but I'm going to take the Hawks just because the Knicks have such Taking a depressing track record. I mean, you're not you're probably not wrong picking it based on that. I do have the Knicks winning still. I have Knicks and Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals, which would be really cool for New York if that actually does happen. Um, so, yeah, I got Knicks winning, and you got Atlanta. Let's move over to the West. Number one, Utah versus number eight, Memphis. Memphis is actually up one nothing as we're speaking right now. What do you think? Ah, uh, give me Utah for this one, man. They went on <laughs> like a long, long winning streak during the regular season. Multiple long winning streaks. And I think there's a speed bump against the Grizzlies, but 
I think they'll make it through. Yeah, I mean, it was just one game. I think the Jazz got this. I do have them in the final against the Nets. That's who, That's my finals pick right Jazz now. Jazz Nets. Is Utah. Yeah, Jazz Nets. So moving down, though, number two, Phoenix versus number seven, Lakers. It's 1-1. Phoenix won the first game. Lakers won the second game. I have the Lakers because they have a guy named LeBron. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to pick the Lakers as much as I'd want to pick the Suns, and it was hilarious when they won the first game. I think it's hard to bet against the Lakers. They're kind of down in that seed because they were playing without AD and LeBron for a while here, and they kind of got everyone back together as long as everyone's healthy and playing the way they can. I can't see the Lakers getting knocked down in the first round. I mean, LeBron isn't 100%, I don't think, but he's still better than 75% of the league, not at 100%. He did have that... I don't even know when. Did you see when he fell? He got poked in the eye. He was down for like 80 seconds. Yeah. And then he also, like LeBron also got caught hanging out with like Michael B. Jordan and a bunch of guys. Yeah. And he didn't get fined. He didn't get fined by And the then Porzingis did this basically the same thing got and got fined. fined. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have the balls to it's find him. They don't have the balls the to LeBron find him. It's the LeBron rule, man. It's the LeBron rule. I mean, fuck, I'd probably do the same thing if I was in their situation. How how could you do that to your to your star player? Yeah, it's kind of tough for Kristaps uh, though. Like, <laughs> I guess <laughs> the unicorn. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's jump the three six game. We'll go into that after because you just mentioned Porzingis, Dallas versus LA Clippers five versus four. Dallas is up two nothing. I think at this point I'm gonna stick with Dallas. I don't have them in my pool, but they're up two nothing. It seems to be that Luca has the Clippers number. Because they beat them last year, too, and they were down. Yeah, I think you take the Mavs in this one. Um, I think Luka's got some magic, and I think we're starting to see him flourish more and more. Like, look how young Luka is still. Like, it's, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good year for the Mavs, and I think they're they're going to beat the Clippers. All right, and then moving over to three, Denver versus six, Portland on I like Denver because they have Jamal Murray, Canadian, and then I like Portland because they have Norm Powell. It's like, I don't know who I want to see win more. Um, I think I have Denver kind of winning this series. It's it's 1-1 at the moment, but those are like that's how I'm like, who am I going to pick? Because they got Canadian, and then you got you know a guy who balled out hard for the Raptors for, for six years. Yeah, I, I think I take the Nuggets in this one. They uh, made the finals last year. They still got uh, a lot of talent on that team, and... Uh, Western Conference Finals. You think Western Conference? Oh, they made the Western Conference Finals? No. Lakers won. Oh, shoot. You're right. Yeah. In the West. Wow. <laughs> they made the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. No, I just lost my train of thought. I just picked the Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> nuggets. Nuggets it is. Um, so that's that's our first round picks, even though they're halfway done. Um, we can kind of keep going on basketball as the series kind of get some storylines and and we'll see, you know, if we're right. See if my Utah Nets prediction is right. Do you have a finals prediction at the moment? Top of your head. Oof, top of my head? With no research. No research, no rhyme, no reason? Let's go. Just for the f- just for shits and gigs, bud. Okay, we'll go Brooklyn. So I'll go with the Nets. And okay, like that. And let's go Mavs. Nets v. Mavs. Can that happen? Nets v. Mavs, I like it. Wow, let's see if it comes true. Well, Dalton, I know it was a sad day in Oil Town for you, but you you did this pod with a great 
smile on your face still. So I'm excited to keep talking playoffs with you. Absolutely, man. It's it's been a pleasure talking, even when uh, we got to talk about when things are good and when things are bad. And uh, no, you know what? It's it's been good playoffs, and I'm really excited to to talk about it moving forward. And the future is bright. So everyone, good morning, good night, good evening. This is Philip Janini. I'm Dalton Scamhorn. And this is For the Fans Podcast, the podcast for fans by fans. Have a good one.